0: Women Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater.
1: Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today on Dynamic Women Talk Radio with a group of amazing dynamic women. I'm so excited to share this roundtable with Sharon Jameson from Atlanta, Georgia, Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles, California, Lou Paget, Los Angeles, California, and Linda Crater, Washington, D.C. Now, the topic for today's roundtable is reinventing yourself. Now, I know all you lovely ladies, and I know you have reinvented yourself as have I I liken myself to a software program you know how there's different releases there's like Sandra Beck 2.0 that's my 20s Sandra Beck 3.0 that's my 30s Sandra Beck 4.0 my 40s and now I'm working on what does Sandra Beck 5.0 look like and it's really fun because You can reinvent yourself. I got news for you. What you were in your 20s doesn't have to be what you are in your 40s. And what you did yesterday does not have to be, do, or define who you are today. And that's the beauty of living in our world today and being surrounded by dynamic women who are doing the same thing. Now I'm going to go to Sharon Jameson and I want to talk about your evolution
2: uh, as you have gone through your life. Wow, my evolution has been really interesting. I, I think I started my twenties as a person who wasn't really sure of herself um i had had to deal with the um the aftermath of years of bullying from integrating schools and so i my 20s was dealt with a lot of healing from woundedness i mean deep woundedness and really trying to understand who i was and who i was not my 30s was uh, trying to understand what it meant to be a single mom after i got divorced and how do i navigate motherhood with a career and I learned that I, I, I left religion for a while, and in my 40s I came back to religion, became a minister. As I understood um, a ministry from a very uh, more progressive way of understanding God, I I took all those learnings that God was a He and God became a She, and I did a lot of uh, transformation. And now as I as I in my 50s enter my 50s, I'm starting to understand what it means to be a woman again without being a mother. And what it means to be a, a daughter of elderly parents. And which means that I'm really trying to understand who I am now. I'm in that process now where I'm trying to understand what I want to be when I grow up. And uh, so it, it's, been, it's been a journey. Sometimes scary. i made a lot of mistakes. But I, I don't regret any failures because the failure just gave me some good data about what I did not want to do. So I'm, I'm in this, this transition process right now and I'm really glad about it.
1: That's amazing. I do. I love your story. I, I just resonate a lot with it. Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles.
3: You know, I I, I want to piggyback onto what Sharon was saying. I do not believe in failure. I believe in feedback. Failure is the lack of attempt to try to change, to evolve, to be, to do. Um, I know the difficult circumstances that I grew up in put me into a position where I had to be tough. I had to be motivated. I had to make stuff happen in my world. And and I became, air quotes, the tough broad. And then that was totally reinforced in the corporate arena. Um, And in the Kimberly 5.0, I'm becoming much more vulnerable, much softer, much gentler, because frankly, it's exhausting to be tough all the time, number one, number two. It's just a different energy. I think we become much gentler with ourselves and that allows us to be much gentler with others. Just an opinion.
0: That's lovely. It makes sense though, because the more vulnerable you are, you let people in where they maybe couldn't come in before. Lou, I believe you're next.
4: Okay, <clears throat> here we go. I've got a, quite a little list here of how I reinvented myself. Um, one of the things that I learned is my family I I moved schools a number of times and uh, what that did is have me realize that when you arrive and you're a a new face in old surroundings for the majority of the people you Mm -hmm. do have a chance to completely reinvent yourself or be who you want to be and I was uh, working at 20th Century Fox and a woman who was a friend of mine, who was a therapist, she knew how I was. We knew one another from the gym and she had these fabulous dogs. And I remember I was playing with her dogs one day and she looked at me and she said, you know, Lou, why don't you treat people the same way you treat animals? Hmm. And I looked at her and I said, what do you mean? And she said, you are so standoffish with people. You push them away. But she said, you go up to animals and you, you, you want to play with them. You want to cuddle with them. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so gorgeous. And she said, why don't you do that with people? And I, I listened to that, and I was like, she was right. And then the next, when I got my next job, which was at 20th Century Fox, I realized I am going to use that as the way how I treat people. I'm going to treat people the way I treat animals. And her comment to me was, and look, if some if a dog or something starts to bite you, you don't have to keep playing with it. You just push it away. So I did that when I got to Fox. And I would just say to people, hi, how are you? And it wasn't that I was trying to get something from them. I was just, I, just, I had my little mantra was treat them like you would treat an animal. And... People responded in a way, I was all over that lot. People really didn't know what I did, but everybody knew me. And it was something that I could then approach people and say, hey, listen, can, may I ask you a question about something? And that was how and where I started writing and started doing my seminars. And I, when I started the seminars, I didn't want people to know it was me doing them. <laughs> uh. I just do not want people to know I talk that much about sex period. Because I was scared of the judgment. But the thing that had me keep doing it is when people said how it changed their lives. Yeah. Now, did I know that I was going to be writing? No, I that was never on. I some people love to write. That's not my specialty. Speaking is another thing for me. But and actually, I got an F in my only English class in university because I didn't have any assignments. And I had a crush on a guy who was in the class, and then I realized, no, I don't have such a crush on him, but I didn't drop the class. But (laughs) I can write, but I can write because I know the information. And what I also knew when I left my marriage, when I drove out of that driveway, I did not look back. I knew that things had ended. There was no, this was not about let's recreate something here. It was Done. So my reinventions were as a result of, and Sam, let's be honest, one of the reasons why when you hit the dirt and everything for you, you are also, you were postpartum, you had two little boys and your whole world just got upended. No wonder. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of a Mack truck moment. (laughs) That's That's an understatement. But when you move and you move back to a place where you've been before, people seem to expect that you're going to be exactly the same as you were when you left. And I knew that was not the case, that anytime you go through a life change, you are going to change. Oh my God! We become the bionic woman. You know, it's like better,
1: mm -hmm. stronger, faster. (laughs) Like I've got you know these bionic legs and these this bionic heart. I mean, it is part of what we go through. Part of our our reinventing ourselves.
4: Mm, Well, and I think instead of a reinvention is I think we we are creatures who make choices and we evolve and then we evolve again and it's almost like butterfly moments on an ongoing period through our lives sometimes we have to sort of hibernate sometimes we have to go into that chrysalis phase and then we come out at which point and i'm was it jack canfield his comment uh he was talking about when he when it stopped being fun for him when he was reading things for chicken soup for the soul he knew it was time for him to move on and i found that when i was doing seminars constantly and traveling constantly It stopped being fun. And now I'm in a phase of another evolution. And the thing that just grabs my heart to do things for is animals. Because I first learned about love from animals. I didn't learn about love from human beings. Animals were what gave me my first unconditional love.
1: Hmm. Love that. We're going to go to Sharon Jameson.
2: I think it's so important. I love what you said, Lou, about reinvention. And what I know from my own experiences in working with my clients, the more you uh, evolve and reinvent yourself, the more willing you are to do it. I think many times that first iteration of who you should be is always the hardest because you you are so concerned and you're not really following your gut and you're not really clear about if this is who you want to be. And I love that when you just start allowing yourself, giving yourself permission and freedom to change, and to evolve, and to learn, and to try, and to fail, the more you're willing to do it. And I think reinvention becomes easier um, when you allow yourself to be right, and you allow yourself to be wrong. And I think that comes with knowing yourself, and it comes with uh, patience, and it comes with understanding that your happiness is what you need. And I think that understanding that happiness is important is a journey too. So I think that our journey's give us permission to make the evolutions. And so I just, I I know I was so happy when I did the first reinvention because it it, it became a ripple effect and I was able to get clarity and every reinvention gave me greater clarity.
1: Well, and I think that's something that, Um, this reinvention, the clarity, the evolution, lessons from failure. These are show topics that we have talked about in the past. If you liked what you're hearing today, check us out on Dynamic Women Talk Radio. You can also find us on iTunes. And we've made it simple so that the, the title of the show is the concept. So today's title is Reinventing Yourself. And we're talking about women who have reinvented themselves and done it in a remarkable way these women today are the best you are going to get in reinventing yourself we will be back after the break and we're going to talk more about the painful parts of reinventing because when you reinvent friendships fall away careers fall away marriages and family can fall away how do we work through that discomfort and stay on course
0: return after these short messages.
5: If you're like me, when you finish dining at a restaurant, you hate waiting and waiting for the check to arrive so you can pay and get on with your day. Admit my rocket, as my kids call it, starts going off. And my husband always wants one more cup of coffee. And I'm ready to go, wicky wiki, let's go. It's not that I'm tense. I'm just terribly alert. My husband always has a cup of coffee in his hand. So much so he is wearing out the handles of our coffee mugs. But then again, he's not as bad as the French writer Voltaire, who drank 70 cups of coffee a day. I can't drink coffee before going to bed because I get too wadgety. My husband, on the other hand, can drink several cups of joe and go right to sleep. And I'm not talking slum That's wheat coffee. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words.
1: Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Sharon Jameson, Kimberly Rinaldi, Lou Paget, and Linda Crater. Now, one of the things that happens when we reinvent ourselves, and this is where the fun begins, is it's uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable. Where I was once married, San with two small children who dutifully knew her fate, her place in the world, all of a sudden became big mouth radio Sam. And that was hard for a lot of people to take. And there were people who didn't know me prior to my marriage. And my marriage was, as uh, was one that like, for whatever reason, successfully shut me down, and I felt like I had no voice. And it was really funny to me that as I was coming out of my divorce, here I get these radio shows, and all of a sudden I have my voice and I have something to say. And I felt rejuvenated like I had been transported back to my 20s, only I was bigger and better and stronger and had more experience and more to share. However, there were people, especially during my decade of married years, that were like, oh, well, who does she think she is? Or what makes her the expert? They would post nasty things on my social media that she's not powerful. She thinks she's the host of Powerful Powered Up Talk Radio. I know her. She's not powerful. She was a train wreck. I mean, really nasty things. Um posted about me, and so the reinventing process for me was very uncomfortable. Thankfully, my kids were so little, they could just watch mom evolve, and that was normal, and I'm grateful for my friends who stood by me, uh, many who are on the show today, and my family who just, like, stood back and go, okay, well, okay, that was what they'd say, okay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that discomfort Um, because, you know, when you're trying something new and it's you and it's your life and it affects your kids and your friends and your family, uh, that reinvention process can be scary and uncomfortable and especially difficult when it's forced upon you. Not all of our evolutions and reinventions are by choice. I'm going to go to Linda Crater first. Uh,
0: Boy, that describes mine, um, I, I was in my 20s, very naive, completely trusting of the universe and everybody around it. I loved the world; the world loved me. In my 30s, I got married at 22, too young, but I I was I was in love, um, and, <laughs> and went, uh, that was the years of of the striving and working together uh, as a mission and accomplishing goals, etc. And then I started my first company when I was 37, after. Part time jobs and 12 years of teaching jazzercise and raising my two children. And suddenly I was given an opportunity to start a company. And within 13 months, I grew it into $10 million. Two years later, it was $20 million. And at eight years, it was $30 million. And then it all crashed when I was asked for a divorce um, after of both types uh, both physical infidelity but what i found to be harder was financial infidelity and betrayal and i was crushed so this trusting person i lost all trust i lost all confidence in my choices about everything Um, i circled the world around my children But um, Lou, this is when I found your books, because I didn't feel like much of a woman anymore. I I felt like I'd failed at every possible level that I could. And then I I did learn afterward that those things weren't me. Uh, Certainly, I'm part of that. I can never say that a divorce is one person only. But there wasn't a lot of um, mutuality wanting to keep it together. And it's the Bonnie Raitt song. You can't make someone love you. So sure. you mm-hmm. then move on to make a choice, whether you trust again, whether you're going to risk vulnerability again. And I chose to do that. I, you know, I always left my, um, it was obvious people could get in touch with me. I decided not to hide, even though I had many reasons to hide. It was very public and very humiliating. Um, and I went from the peak of success to the dirt, as Sandra had put it earlier. And then that reinvention comes because women like us don't give up. We do not give up. And so we get up again and I have banker's boxes full of reinvention. I'm a serial entrepreneur. That company was one of six. This current one is my seventh Some are more successful than others. None of them have been another, you know, home run like that one. But I don't want that anymore. I don't want the big staff. I don't want all those things. So instead, you sometimes move from success to what I'd rather call significance, things that mean something to you. And in my case, it was a calling. To start, and I I do mean a true calling, to, to start working with veteran families and the caregivers of our wounded, ill, and injured. And then that turned into a radio program that did, and then into multiple radio programs because as you know, Mac truck moments happen to all of us. I think you have a choice whether to cower, and believe me, I did cower if there's a certain chair in my home that if it could talk or my pets could talk, because Lou, I agree with you about animals. Um, that would make a series of books. I'd be a tragic comedy on the um television. But I think that reinventing yourself, whether it's wanted or unwanted, still brings out things in you that you never knew you had strength you never knew you had and you come out just a different and better and stronger and more resilient and able to help other people go through those things so i i like to call us wounded healers those of us who've gone through some stuff and can walk with other women right kimberly rinaldi los angeles california
3: you know i lo- i loved what you were saying linda and um One of the things, its something that came up literally within the last couple of days, uh, someone had posted, they wanted to know, what have I learned about love? And they were kind of taking, fielding that question for a child who was working on a project. And my response, and this may sound really jaded, but I want you to understand, what I've learned about love is any relationship, and whether it's love, whether it's affection, whether it's friendship, whether it's work, any relationship you get into, this is like self-defense 101. If you're going to survive, understand, you're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. And I, I have to say, up until I was 30, I really believed I could go through my life avoiding pain. Oh, my God, I'm getting emotional on this. Um, and that was something that was a real tough one for me because I grew up in, as I've said, really difficult circumstances. So I really talked myself into the belief that I could avoid relationships and I could avoid being hurt. And I picked all the wrong, you know, men for all the right reasons. And when you go in understanding that these are opposing forces, anybody outside of you is an opposing force, whether they're your supporter or not, you're going to have conflict. You're going to get hurt. Um, That brings me to the second point I want to make is in this reinvention process, I, I don't do, um, New Year's resolutions, I do themes for a year, and this was three years ago. And then I'll clean it up for you guys. But I have posted on my desk, if you're uncomfortable, you better flip and be doing it. Because if you're comfortable, you're already doing it. And you know what that flipping <laughs> was. Um, right. Because truly, our greatest gifts are in what we resist the most. When we turn and look back across our lives, if we survived it, again, self-defense 101, We learned something Mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. If we survived it, we learned something from it, each and every one of us. And where you get the pushback, and this is where sometimes you have to love people from a distance. When you change, others become uncomfortable because now they have to relearn you. And that's their discomfort. Mm -hmm. Right. And frankly, that's (laughs) not your problem. Right, And there are people in my world where I have sat back and said, you know what, bless you, love you, but if you can't be healthy in your life, it's unreasonable, it's in- irresponsible, and it's unrealistic for me to expect you to be healthy in mine. Thank you, bye-bye. <laughs>
0: exactly. Good for you.
3: Yeah. I'm proud of me. I'm proud of all of you.
2: I am, too. Uh, Sharon Jameson, go ahead. You know, I love what you said, Kim, about pain. And I too had to really embrace pain. And I put pain in two different categories. I told myself, Sharon, you can have long-term pain of staying the same, or short-term pain on your way to recovery. And I'm, and I always put myself in those situations. Do you want to hurt long-term or do you want to hurt short-term? Because you're going to hurt. And uh, and so I think I have really embraced. Pain and I use this acronym that I got from Yana Vincent says, Pay attention inward now. And I always use that um, acronym to help me pay attention inward now and say, Okay, Sharon, this is going to hurt. Do you want to hurt for five days? And do you want to hurt for five years? Mm -hmm. And and I just embrace that pain is inevitable. And but that took a long time to do that because, like Kim, I didn't want to face more pain, I had so much pain growing up that I thought I, could, I wanted to be pain-free. But I know I knew for me that pain-free meant not growing. It meant stagnation. It meant limitation. It meant poverty, emotional and financial po- poverty. So I think that accepting pain and being honest with people and being honest with ourselves to say pain is part of life. Everything that that you want to change will involve some trade-offs, and trade-offs cause pain. So I think that's really important to for, for all women to embrace is pain is, is natural. Um, it's is, is not what we want, but it's part of the process of life. It's part of the journey.
1: Well, and Sharon, somebody had told me once, you know, that pain can last like an emotional last up to 90 seconds before it shifts into something else. If you just sit with it and, you know, some of these things cause us recurrent pain over our lifetime, but they do become dull and they don't drive us as much.
2: Can you tell us how you sit with the pain? I, I sit with the pain. Really? I do a lot of meditation. And I just kind of sit there and let the pain go through my body. Um, because if I realize, if I don't let it go through me, it gets stuck. And it gets mm. stuck in my throat or it gets stuck in my in my gut. And I have all types of GI problems because I, I carry pain and it manifests in my body. So I just let myself feel it and, and, and process it. Uh, then I reflect, I pray. But then after I am able to let it flow through my body, that energy then I make a strategy because I, I, I approach life as a strategy. I, I just don't allow things to happen. But um, but I have to be in that painful place so I can get clear. Um, and also I can uh, get, get pure because that because when I address my pain, it lets me be honest. And um, so that's my process, just to, 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 to allow it to hurt, know it's going to hurt, and allow it to f- filter through my system so I can uh, approach it with a clearer head. Because if it's in my throat or in my head or in my stomach, I won't sleep, and then um, I, I lash out. I tend to lash out, because somebody's going to get the pain. If I don't, if I don't approach <laughs> it, somebody's going to get it. And I, and I recognize that. I have to be careful, because I, la- I lash out, because that's what I learned how to do very well growing up. So I'm very aware of how my behavior shows up, because I believe our private pain always shows up in public places anyway.
1: Well, and that's something Judy Brizantine taught in her book, uh, Stunned by Grief, uh, that you have to walk through pain. You have to sit with it. You have to make it your friend in order for it to pass through you. And the quicker that you get to allowing it to pass through you, the quicker you can get on to healing. We're going to talk more about this when we come back from the break. So you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be right back.
0: talk radio and we'll return after these short messages
4: it's you, really
5: you might think that kissing is a universal sign of affection but there are certain groups of people on earth who just don't do it i think they don't know what they're missing humans have been kissing for a long time as kisses were portrayed in egyptian art in 1500 bc the romans are credited with perfecting romantic kiss as we know it today what's another word for kissing osculation your lips are a hundred times more sensitive than the tips of your fingers and the kiss quickens your pulse to 100 beats a minute one kiss actually burns up to three calories now there's a workout i could handle Studies say a woman will kiss about 79 guys before getting married, and the average person spends two weeks of their life kissing. What's the word for the art of kissing? Phylometology. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette
3: Hammond.
6: Barbecue restaurants and cookouts are an unequivocal part of summer. Be it brisket, ribs, or turkey, the food is sure to please your palate. By making the right choices at your next cookout or barbecue restaurant outing, you can partake in most of the foods you love and still maintain your healthy, low-calorie eating. The best meat choice is rotisserie chicken. Be sure not to eat the skin, but enjoy the fabulous flavor. If you must have ribs, split an order with someone else and eat only a few. Get the taste without all the high-fat calories. Baked beans have brown sugar and molasses, but because of all the fiber, protein, and antioxidants, it is a better choice than hush puppies, biscuits, or french fries. Coleslaw is okay as long as it's made with vinegar instead of mayonnaise. Fill up on corn on the cob, green beans, and other vegetables. Enjoy the meal, but make good choices. I'm Annette Hammond.
1: Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Dynamic Talk Women Radio panel: Sharon Jameson, Kimberly Rinaldi, Lou Paget, and Linda Crater. And we are spanning the globe uh, today, and on other episodes, talking about concepts that uh, that really trip us up as we go through life if we don't talk about them. And one of the things is when we talk about reinventing yourself is the personal pain that either leads us Through the personal reinvention process or the personal pain that comes as a result of reinventing ourselves. And when we get real with ourselves, when we get honest with ourselves and we make the changes we need to make, let's be frank, not everybody's going to go whoopee cheesy. Mom is not doing everything for me anymore. My wife is not at my beck and call, and she's going to college. These things don't bode well sometimes for marriages, family, friendships, and relationships. I'm going to go to Lou Paget for your take on today's topic.
4: Okay, <clears throat> where shall I start? Um, when I when we speak of reinventing or you know evolving, I am the combination of every one of the careers that I've had, whether having an art gallery, being a student in New York, uh, real estate sales, paper broker, 20th Century Fox each one of those things contributed something that at the time i did not realize were going to be pivotal in helping me build my business when i started speaking and then my business went from local to regional to national to international in 6 months mm-hmm. and to say that it you know it it took on a life of its own and that's how i treated it now when i first started doing my presentations i didn't want people to know that it was me because i knew i was going to be judged as sleazy or loose because I talked about sexuality thing that that I learned I never talk about what I did I talk about what everyone else does so they're not imagining me doing it they can imagine it for themselves and but when I started it I there was a gentleman who I was crazy about who worked with me at 20th century fox and Jim knew that I did these seminars and my fear when I started them was that I was going to be forever no longer acceptable in polite society, (laughs) and that I would never have anyone want to love me again. So this person was a great lesson for me, and that he said, I'm crazy about you. I love you, but I cannot be with you because of what you do. And he likened what I did Mm. as a sex educator to a woman by the name of, I think they called it Danny's... Something, And this is a woman who hired all of her large-breasted friends to do things online, and then they would pay a monthly fee to watch these women show their breasts online. So that's what he thought I was doing. And my one friend, Matthew, went like this. What? How could he say that? He said, you are a sex educator. I said, I realize that. But what I got in that painful lesson was, okay, that's what that feels like to be rejected because I do this, and to be told that I'm not, that this person couldn't love me. And I remember stepping back from it and going, oh, okay, so that's what that feels like. Now, to go back, I think it was, Sharon, you were talking about pain, and I think there's a huge difference between pain and suffering, and many people stay in suffering. And, but I believe you were making the comment about having the pain go through you so it doesn't stay in your body. And a lot of people, it stays in their pelvis, sexuality gets impacted, and they will find that it gets released when they are doing something like yoga and they'll burst into tears as a result of you know the release that occurs. But that here's what I also learned when there was painful moments, getting fired from my job as a paper broker. That was kind of like, oh, well, that's not great. Then I had to find another job. I did find one. But what happened when I got fired at Fox? I got fired at Fox. I lost my job. I tried to apply for benefits, uh, unemployment benefits. And they wouldn't give it to me because I said I was actually looking at trying to build my own business. And the woman just said, well, then you're not qualified. You, you don't qualify for getting any benefits. So I got fired. No income. Didn't get the uh, unemployment benefits. And then my roommate moved out So in one month. I went from having the money to having nothing. And I remember walking around in my apartment, and this is the elevator of that apartment where San and I first met. And I remember going, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I'm going to do it. I have to get this information out. I have to get this information out. And it was two people who stepped up in my family who gave me money. And that was the thing that enabled me to keep going because I literally had nothing. So what it did do for me, that thing of, it was like a crucible. It was like being put, you know, through a fire that hardened steel. I would not stop. And I learned that when I moved to New York as a student, great way, you know, going in new place. And I wanted to go someplace where nobody knew me because everybody knew me in my hometown and I wanted to be, you know, anonymous and that, The thing that happened there is I realized if you ever want to go back on something and you want to say that you couldn't make it, the best excuse you can ever use, and people do this all the time, is they get sick. And Mm. because I thought, if I can't make this, because I was thinking a month after I'd been in New York City, I was like, this is insane. Why did I ever decide to do this? And I remember lying in bed and going, they are not going to beat me. They are not going to beat me. Now, I didn't know who they were, but it was sort of a, you know, a universal they. And I had to literally create myself as a student. I was a member of Junior League. I was, you know, a single person in New York. So I decided I was going to do three ways to experience New York City. And that is the thing that helped me when I was after I'd been fired and had no income. And, you know, it it just made me tougher. Sort of like the same way, Kimberly, you were were talking about, you were just, it just made you tougher.
1: Lou, what were your three? You said you were gonna do three things to experience
4: New York, do you remember? Oh, absolutely. I was a student at Fashion Institute. Uh, I got a degree in buying and merchandising. And what I wanted to do, I went into university when I was 16, and <clears throat> I wanted to stay where I was going, and my father moved us and would not allow me, and I never really made much of a fuss, to stay and go away to school. I always wanted to go away to school. My twin sister was getting married, so I applied to FIT, and i that was when I was going to go away to school. That was my number one aim, so I chose a place that was as far away as possible, where I could just do something that I wanted to do. I didn't want to necessarily study fashion, but it was where I went. And what I then also did is Junior League is an organization where women put together ideas for within their community. They create the idea and then within two years, turn it over to the community to run it. So Junior League doesn't get a lot of credit for many of the things that they do. So I did that and that was in you know uh, a number of things that I did. And then the other thing I did is that I was a single person in New York. So I thought I'm going to do, you know, the clubs, do the other things, all of which were things I would not have done um, elsewhere. So, but the thing I want to let people know, when we talk about things changing, perimenopause is a time when many, many women make choices Based on a drop of estrogen and an increase of unopposed testosterone, which has them go like this: I'm not putting up with this crap any longer. Period. Done. So they change how they relate to their families, they change how they relate to their husbands. And they, when they're having those up and down the roller coaster of uh, mm-hmm. perimenopause, they will end up ending relationships that sometimes after the fact they go, What did I just do? So I want people to be aware that times when, 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 women go through this, they literally, they're like this, I'm not putting up with this crap any longer. Nope. Nope. And it shocks their family, but the change is that when you make them, you have to also be responsible for how you make your changes and how you react to other people. Cause most people want to just see you as the way that they know you. And you know, if someone becomes really successful, it's a real trigger for a lot of people.
3: Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles. Oh, I am writing a book, Bat Crap, Perimenopausal Crazy. I, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> that is the title. Um, I haven't pulled it together yet. But no, it, it's very true. And I have to tell you, Mr. Rinaldi, bless his heart, the man is a saint. He has been reading everything he can on the hormone shifts, because there are moments that I'm standing there and I'm I'm, you know, I'm out of radio. I'm going back to health care. I'm, you know, moving out of the house and taking the dog. I'm throwing him out and I'm keeping everything. I'm going to light him on fire. I'm going to light the house on fire. Um, it, <laughs> you know, and that's that's like within an hour in a normal day right now. Um, these are the things that we have to realize. We as women have hormonal shifts that we have to address. And I loved that you are identifying, you know, there are changes and challenges that we face and we shouldn't go off the deep end. That being said, I truly believe that when we look back over the reinventions, I I love taking that can of who I was shaking it up and seeing what, you know, fizzes to the top, Every reinvention I've had seems to take the best of where I was before and brings it with me. Except for this perimenopausal crazy stuff. But um you know, and I love I love that you identified that because I literally this last 15 months, Rick's the one who turns to me and he's all, hun, don't get angry. And he has my copy of the wisdom of menopause on his nightstand. Bless his heart. He says, Hun, don't get angry. I think maybe this might be a hormonal shift for you. And then he backs up quickly. But I love him for doing it.
1: <laughs> well, and this this sharing of this understanding um, is really important because when we when we address it, we can fix it. And uh, there's a book called Undoubtedly Awesome by Ann Tucker mm-hmm. that I'm reading. Right. And she wrote a great thing in her, uh, like the first chapter, I just was like, wow, this is great. Once you see something, you can't unsee it and that's what we're doing today is we're starting to look at our lives we're looking at our experiences we're looking at them in reality and we're sharing them and we're laughing about them and realizing sharon jameson is not that different from linda crater from kimberly rinaldi from lou Paget to sandra beck and we we come together like this in mutual respect and enjoyment and admiration there is not anything we can't do
0: And we'll return after these short messages.
5: You might think that kissing is a universal sign of affection, but there are certain groups of people on Earth who just don't do it. I think they don't know what they're missing. Humans have been kissing for a long time, as kisses were portrayed in Egyptian art in 1500 B.C. The Romans are credited with perfecting romantic kiss as we know it today. What's another word for kissing? Oscillation. Your lips are 100 times more sensitive than the tips of your fingers. And the kiss quickens your pulse to 100 beats a minute. One kiss actually burns up to 3 calories. Now there's a workout I could handle. Studies say a woman will kiss about 79 guys before getting married, and the average person spends two weeks of their life kissing. What's the word for the art of kissing? Phylometology. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The habits
6: your children develop in the teenage years may last a lifetime. Some think that once a child becomes a teenager, it's too late to teach them about healthy living. The truth is, it's never too late. And if your teenager is not currently living a healthy lifestyle, you have time to change that. I have four children and three of them are teenagers. So I understand the challenge that many of you face. The Mayo Clinic recommends that if your child is currently active, encourage them to keep it up. If your child isn't interested in organized sports, suggest other alternatives. Keep them active and busy. Being sedentary leads to poor health, low self-esteem, and eventually trouble. By keeping your teenagers aware of making good choices for healthy eating and activity, you are teaching them principles to last their whole life. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
1: Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Meck, and this is Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Sharon Jameson, Kimberly Rinaldi, uh, Lou Paget, and Linda Crater. Now, one of the things that we talked about is that there's a cost to reinventing yourself, and that cost can be personal, emotional, spiritual, and financial as we go through the trenches of reinvention. I'm going to go to Linda
0: Crater first. I, I think that that is, we were talking about that on the break, and I, I think that any time change takes place, there is a cost. There's a, a transfer of currency of some type, whether it's time, money, emotion, spiritual, whatever you said was correct. And I think that there has to be a willingness to accept that cost, or if, if it's not something that you are starting or initiating yourself or paying that cost if it is a choice that you're making to move forward. And I think that those are things that as you get older, you learn that the cost is usually worth it. Uh, Maybe you would do things differently if you got a do-over, but life doesn't give you do-overs. And what do they say? Life is not a dress rehearsal. No, it is not. And so you believe in yourself more But no matter the changes, you will pay a cost. And that cost can be in the issues in your tissues, as you were talking about, Sharon, or it can be financial. It can be in any realm of your life. But the cost, the the piper will be paid at some point or another. And so the more you embrace the fact that there is a cost to what goes on, the more you realize you can pay it. And you can move on to the next thing and the doors will open and the floor goes on. So I think there's a lot of positivity that goes forward with changes and reinventing yourself. And Kimberly, I believe you said you take the best parts of before with you each time you reinvent yourself. And I think some of that comes from age experience and wisdom. We can't be wise unless we've been young and foolish. So I I love this aspect of life, this phase of life and, and reinvention. It doesn't have to be only pain. It can also be brilliant light that you're walking toward. Lou Paget, Los Angeles, California. Um, you know, when we speak of
4: the cost, I, I sort of use the terms cost and choice interchangeably.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: because if we're making, and I mean, we all have heard that statement, well, I just couldn't make a choice. Well, you just did lamb chop. You made a choice not to make a choice. So mm-hmm. don't worry about that. Yet, when I was younger, I had uh, an opportunity to make, I was asked by this one person, and they said, um, I've met the person that I want to marry. And I said, well, who's that? And he said, it's you. And I said, well, you should <laughs> me. <laughs> and he was much older than I was. And I did not give an answer to that. And then I get a phone call telling me that he has just gotten engaged to this other person. And at that moment, I vowed I would never not make a choice so that I would not have to live with regret. And, when, and I think the thing that often will happen for people when they look at what the cost is going to be, they look at what the things that are going to be painful as opposed to the things that will have them grow. And when you make a choice, yes, there is a cost. Maybe someone stays behind. Maybe you move and you leave behind that you know, friendship. Yet, if you are in the state of mind that this is an expansive thing, that choice and those costs will be returned to you. One thing I want people to be really aware of, the bigger your secrets are and the more you're trying to hold on to them, the more you will not be able to go forward. I did a session with a woman yesterday. She has a huge profile in her community uh, professionally, but she has two major hidden things in her own life that she has not cleared up. And I told her, I said, you are at a crossroads and you can choose to keep having them be secrets. But once you have those secrets and they're no longer part of your life, Your world is going to open up like you cannot believe. And she said, I've made the choice, I'm doing it. And this is, I would first spoken to her two years ago. So the more we keep our secrets there, the more you keep yourself out of being able to reinvent yourself. Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles.
3: Yeah, I love that Lou. And it's the addiction recovery process. They talk about you're only as sick as your secrets. Going back a little further, the cost investment choice conversation um, I talk about with my clients a lot, the fact that as toddlers, we are one third by weight, volume, and size head. Truly. Yes. I mean, they, they have those massive noggins, right? Um, they face plant. they butt plant. they tip over sideways. They're just, they're not built for walking yet. Every single step in the taking a step process is truly an act of letting go. The act of walking physiologically, you take that step, you lift the leg, you let go of um, balance and you let go with the hopes that the next foot will follow. And as toddlers, it doesn't happen, but we're closer to the ground. The falls aren't as fatal or so we believe. And it's that faith, that letting go of the out, Um, And I think it's a great metaphor because, frankly, when I get people who sit across from me, they're on the phone or Skype or whatever, um, and do the, I don't want to, it's too hard, I can't. I I go back to this conversation. If you had that belief, that system, that thought process as a two-year-old when you came into this world magically, you know, between one and two when you start walking, um, you'd still be scuttling around on your hands and knees. So, let go of the let go of the attachment to the outcome. you know, free fall for that moment. Give yourself the opportunity to sort of hang in the balance. and know, it's not comfortable, but it's worth it. So that's that's my stand on this.
2: Sharon Jameson, Atlanta, Georgia. I, I love what Kim said about secrets. I think our secrets make us sick, and I think our secrets make us sink in depression and despair. And I always like to tell my clients that our secrets and our feelings make us fat. And when I talk Mm -hmm. about fat, I mean, P-H-A-T makes us pathological. It makes us hungry, makes us anxious It makes us toxic. And I I think when people understand how fat P-H-A-T shows up in their life, they can see it if they do a good um, diagnosis and inventory of their life. So I think our our secrets just keep us not only sick and sinking, but silent. And and keeps uh, keep us uh, suffering. So I, I think that one of the things that is so helpful sometimes is that I make a diagram and I let people write, you know, using the the acronym FAT, and let them identify how their secrets and how their lack of willingness, or their uh, lack of capacity in their mind to make different choices, how it's affecting their lives, uh, personally, professionally, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people are able to really see the spectrum of their dysfunction, uh, the spectrum of uh, what happens when they don't make decisions, I think it's it's eye-opening. It's, it's just total illumination. People are surprised to how their pain shows up in their life. And I always tell them, your, your private pain shows up in public ways and in public places. But sometimes I think it's important to see that. And I think that was one of the most helpful things my therapist did for me in my 20s, is to let me connect the dots because I thought that everything was um, was, in isolate, was in isolation, but we, I didn't understand that one thing impacted the other thing. And I think that's really important to understand how the, the, the sickness becomes pervasive and, and it shows up in every aspect of our lives.
4: I, would, I, I totally agree with that, completely agree.
1: Well, I think it's one of those things, um, and I'm gonna go to uh,
0: Linda Crater next. Linda, I'd love your thoughts. Well, I I absolutely believe that private. Pay, I, I believe everything that everyone has been talking about, and I think that the 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 good news is that the pain is not long. It goes. It, it passes. It on. It, you know, this too shall pass. I mean, how many of these cliched phrases do we need to know that it really is true? And there will be an, a sun that comes up in the morning, and our choices or our non choices and regrets. Most people would like to make a choice and have fewer regrets, even if some of those (laughs) choices bring regrets. But I I think that we can go on by making choices, uh, whether we call that a cost or a choice, trying to learn from our past choices. And and I I like to say I I, when I make mistakes, they're gargantuan, but I don't (laughs) often make the same. mistake twice. I make fresh new ones. Um, So it's just a matter of choices and paying the cost or making the right choice. And something I always ask myself later, if I'm regretting something is, does that pass the so what rule? Because if it doesn't pass the so what rule, I can let it go. And I can put my head down and go to sleep. And, and I think sometimes we do overthink and we don't need to because we're hard on ourselves. So reinventing ourselves, making choices and moving forward in life are all part of living. And the next phase is always the best in my opinion.
1: Well, and I think um, I'd like to go, let's go over to um, Sharon before the end of the show. I'd love a wrap up from you.
2: I just think it's so important as we talk about reinvention to be okay with trying out new quote unquote use and be okay trying out places and things. And, and I, once we give ourselves permission to, to to try something out and to be wrong and to try something out and to be right and to mm-hmm. keep changing and I think that we will really be happy. I think it comes from a place of not only clarity but courage. And mm-hmm. um I always tell my clients, courage with reflection courage with reflection makes you um brave, but you know, courage without reflection makes you reckless. And so I just said just 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 be brave, but reflect, knowing that whatever decision you make at that time is a great decision because being your best you and being happy is the best gift that we can give ourselves. And so I, my, my goal for me, my clients, for all of us on this call is to continue to make ourselves happy and to understand that what makes us happy will change over time. Um, w- w- when we get wisdom, we get to win. And so I tell people, get wisdom and you will win. Get self-wisdom <laughs> and you will win. And I think that's important
1: amen i'd like to thank um you guys today for our
2: reventing
1: yourself episode on dynamic women talk radio sharon jameson from atlanta georgia kimberly rinaldi los angeles lou paget los angeles and my partner in crime and co-host linda crater in washington dc if you like today's episode check us out on itunes Uh, Or go to Dynamic Women Talk Radio. We'll be back again next week. And have a good one. Make it count.
0: Thank you for tuning in today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio. And join us each week. You can find more shows on DynamicWomenTalkRadio.com.